Welcome to the TEH, the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast, where several hosts talk about what they find interesting in tech this week. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash teh70. Guy, can you believe it's 70 already? This week, wow. we have all four regular hosts. I'm Randy Cassingham, founder of thisistrue.com and the internet spam primer, helping you get your inbox back. I'm Leo Notenboom. I answer tech questions out at askleo.com. The current popular question seems to be, do I really have to take this Windows 10 update? I'm Kevin Savitz. Uh, I have gotten my inbox back. As of today, I have inbox zero, so no one email me. Uh, <laughs> Challenge accepted. Sending you email right now. <laughs> ah, for yeah, all. The spammers are anyway, so you may as well just bite the bullet. Oh, and that leaves me. I'm Gary Rosenswag, the uh, host and producer at MacMost.com, as well as a mobile game developer. Uh, CleverMedia.com is the URL for that. So, uh, so uh, well, Kevin, yeah, you Hello. challenged us last week. I did. You did. <laughs> Sorry. So, starting off our what we did this week, what did? How many of us watched The Wandering Earth? I did. I did. I did too. Not me. Well, you, I was traveling. Mm-hmm. Now <laughs> I got a good, convenient excuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I text. I I emailed you guys when I was watching it with the the interesting thing that happened because we were talking last week about a book that I read, and then that got because it was a Chinese author. We talked mm-hmm. about the a Chinese sci-fi movie. I start watching the Chinese fi- sci-fi movie, and it says based on a novel by. And it was that same author. That's pretty funny. So apparently they have only one sci-fi author one, over there? Yeah, one good, one good sci-fi author. And he creates all their, all their movies and science fiction. So, huh. so what did you guys think? It was better than I expected. Based on what I had read, I expected this thing to be just a, a travesty. Um, and I've really seen far worse sci-fi movies um, and and far a, and far worse mainstream sci-fi movies. You make a sport out of watching bad movies, though. I right? do. I mean, Peace and I every every uh, uh, um, Valentine's Day we watch a bad movie uh, on purpose. And uh, the worst sci-fi movie we have seen um, was called Solar Babies, and it was. <laughs> uh, let's see what year that was. Um, and, oh, that thing was terrible. Um, it's from 1986 and has roller skating. It, it, it's real bad. Um, and this was way better than that. But this was also better than just like some stuff I've seen on the big screen that was obsessively. I mean, this wasn't a good movie, but it, it was better than I expected. It was one of those movies where partway through it became pretty clear uh, suspension of disbelief was a really important uh, characteristic to watch mm-hmm. it and enjoy it. <laughs> um, there's, you know, on the, on the science side of things, there are just so many things wrong with it. Um, but, you know, good special effects, some action. Um, sadly, you know, it starts and features annoying children, which, you know, are always a big seller for me. You know that. Um, <laughs> there were no and- corgis. No corgis. (laughs) I don't think there were any dogs at all, for that matter. Yeah, can't even Um, go above two stars with their no. I know. Uh, What I thought was interesting, and you guys probably didn't see this, is when I watch uh, movies like this, 
for my homework assignment as it was. I ended up watching it while I was on my elliptical. Now, what I do when I do that is I also turn on closed captioning so that I don't have to blast out mm-hmm. the house. I know, I know where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. The captions didn't match the words. Not even close. In some cases, they were way, way off. It was very interesting. Now, it, I was really prepared to be, I don't know, annoyed or, or at least affected by uh, overdubbing. Uh, usually, I notice that a lot, and it, it kind of sort of sometimes gets in the way. That actually didn't bother me at all, uh, maybe because I was spending all my time reading. But um, it was just weird to have them say one thing and have something else show up, and both of them were in broken English. Mm-hmm. So it's not like someone with, with you know, true, a true native English speaker went through and said, well, no, this really should be this or this really should be that. No, it's like they had two separate non-native um, English speakers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was you guys watched fun. it dubbed? Yeah. No, we had, well, basically, like I said, I had closed captions turned on. Oh. I listened I, to the English, yeah, the English language translation with the closed captions on. Right. I, maybe I'm going crazy, but I could swear that I watched it and it was in the original Chinese hmm. and I was reading. Oh, interesting. Maybe okay, I just you wouldn't have noticed any on. of this. Right? <laughs> I didn't turn on. I didn't think to switch the language. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was clear to me that the, the overdubbing and the caption translation were wow. translated by completely different people or companies or whatever, which is weird. It seems wasteful to me. I mean, as a business owner, I'm just like, mm, why, would you really do that twice? But okay. Um, and sometimes, like you said, it was, sometimes it was just different word choice. And sometimes the facts presented in, in audio were different than the facts presented in text, <laughs> which is huh. very strange. And yeah. to go back to my original point, neither of the facts were correct. So it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. I found it. So listen, I, one of the points I was going to make, which wouldn't make sense to you guys, is listening to it in Chinese and reading. I was amazed that the Russian character in the movie mm-hmm. had a distinct Russian accent, even though he was speaking Chinese. I was wondering about that because he definitely had a Russian accent speaking English. Yeah. So I, but I was like, I was, and I didn't notice it at first. And I thought, wait a minute, I don't understand. You know, I have to read. I don't understand what they're saying, but that guy definitely has a Russian accent, even though he's, so I guess you can have, you could, you know, Russian accent in another language. I don't know. It just kind of blew my mind. Like I, I would have thought that maybe I wouldn't recognize a Russian accent if it was not a Russian speaking English or pretending to. I don't know. It was weird. So aside from that issue, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I was expecting the, the graph, the computer CGI to be terrible, and it mm-hmm. wasn't generally. Yeah, yeah no, they it did was, a good job. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and some of it seemed, I, I'm not super familiar with Chinese culture, but a little bit. And some of it did seem very Chinese to me, or at least it fed into my stereotypes <laughs> um, of, 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 I don't know, Chinese culture. It's, you know, a lot of it was just like sacrifice is honorable and death is normal and <laughs> yeah, just stuff like that. I know a lot about Chinese culture from watching Firefly. <laughs> right. I thought those were Japanese. Weren't those Japanese? Extrapolated to the, uh, I did having read that author, but a different series because the author is very high tech, scientific, 
you know, in, in writing and stuff. And of course, a movie like this is going to dispense with a lot of that. And I know that from watching American science fiction films where I've spread the book, right? Uh, half the science fiction goes out the door. They need to make pretty space explosions. Um, so, but there were a few things that showed through that I was like, you know, they talked about, you know, why did they need to put engines? Well, they put engines to move the earth, right? And you thought they would just, in a movie, they would just end it there. But they had this whole thing where there were these torque engines around the equator mm -hmm. to prevent the earth from spinning. And they never really explained it very much. But I was like, oh, okay, that's probably in the book. There's probably a whole scientific explanation of the book that's like 10 pages long about how you can't have a spinning body move such and such. And, you know, it was probably a whole thing. And fans of the book, which I'm sure was probably pretty popular, and that's why they made a movie out of it, would probably appreciate that they had these torque engines as part of the story, even though they didn't explain them to the movie-going audience. And there were other little things, like how they were driving those trucks, but there seemed to be a whole system of like how you got to be a licensed truck driver and you know uh, got your assignments and things like that. And I'm sure in the book from this author that there was probably a whole explanation of how that system came about and mm -hmm. how it worked and all of that so so i could see that it was that author but i could also see it was dumbed down to make it into a two-hour movie so but you already enjoy this author right so you should read that yeah. book and and uh compare and contrast for us <laughs> yeah that's no, your assignment for this week i'm already on to uh, other books and <laughs> no, no, i'll get to that at some point i'll let you guys know there were a couple of other things I noticed in the movie that just kind of cracked me up and maybe it's because I'm too myopic, but um, it, the, the, I, I noticed a couple of influences from my favorite movie of all time. 2001. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the onboard computer in the, on the space station kind of sort of has its own yeah. Hal moment. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right down to the yeah. red glowing eye. Yeah, that's the first thing I saw. Right, right. As, soon, as soon as you see that, you're you're you you realize where that came from. Right. Um, but the other, and I guess it's technically not the 2001 movie. It's in one of the sequels. I don't remember which one. If it's 2010 or 2036, um, they lit up Jupiter there too. Hmm. Huh. Except they did a you know a more complete job of it turn you know in in the in the space odyssey series yeah it's in 2010 i think yeah they, they turned it into a second sun basically to the to uh, to the earth but um as soon as they started talking about you know lighting some of this stuff up i said no oh, yeah this sounds really familiar hauntingly familiar as they say well cool anyway so it wasn't a complete waste of time no good and you got some exercise done yeah, so, <laughs> yeah I go back to finishing. Uh, what am what am I? What what did I interrupt for this? Oh, uh, Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah, I'll go back for that. Mm. Enjoyed that. Cool, cool. Um, and as long as we're, uh, I'll just continue. The other thing that that I did this week is I needed to. Uh, I wanted to record video of my Mac happen doing things, and normally when I do that, uh, I use the QuickTime player, the old the slightly old QuickTime player has a really nice screen recording feature. Um, however, two issues. One, it's, that's not going to work forever because with the next update, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's an old app. No, no, that's it's, not true. Uh, I think it's going to stop working with the next. Now you're talking about QuickTime 7 will stop working, but QuickTime Player is the current app. Okay. Yeah. I read it was anyway. So yeah, QuickTime is what it is. But the, the other issue, which is for sure an issue, is it records... Uh, it doesn't record sound. Uh, and I was doing some stuff that I wanted the 
audio output from the computer to be recorded as well. Um, and you can mess with Soundflower, but that thing is just so fuzzy. So I looked around and I found a program called ScreenFlick, uh, which is a Mac screen recorder that includes audio. And I threw I think 30 bucks at it, whatever it costs. Uh, and I'm really happy with this little program. Um, it will it records, you know, I, I use it to record a, a section of the screen, but it will also, if you want to, like re, it'll record the, uh, uh, the, with a cursor movement and kind of focus on where the cursor is on the screen. Uh, I discovered after I bought it that I could choose to have it, uh, uh, use the camera. So I, I could have audio from the computer and plus audio from my mic. And if I wanted to, I could do uh, camera of my face, and I, I could choose where to superimpose it on the screen, know what corner to put it in. And if I wanted to, I could also put in a, a logo for my podcast or whatever I'm doing. Um, so I'm just thrilled with this, this little program and uh, looking forward to making more, more little videos. So for the record, um, Camtasia on a Mac does all of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know what you've got for post for editing your video but Camtasia is highly optimized for creating, well, actually the kinds of videos that I do. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very powerful backend editor that lets you, you know, not just edit the video and play with the audio and all that kind of stuff, but uh, throw in call outs and, you know, do all sorts of transitions and layers and God only knows what all. Mm -hmm. uh, I only scratch the surface with what I do, but I really like it. It sounds like it's doing everything that, um, that, you, that you have, uh, that you just found. Might be a little bit more expensive, but not a lot. I think it's like seventy nine bucks or something like that. Okay. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I can do everything that that you mentioned, but it does what I need to do. I can sure. basically trim. You know, do a trim, and and uh, you can export in all sorts of different formats, and uh, you can change things. After I like that, I could change things after I record. Say I I record it, and then I decide. Mm, the cursor, I don't want the cursor to be shown. It's really more of a distraction. You can take it away and then export right. again and right. things like that. So. I've heard of Camtasia. I don't know. Maybe it's just throwing seventy dollars just seemed like too much for what what this was. You know, half, but thirty five was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I so. get you. That's fine. I just got to throw. I'm a, I'm a huge Camtasia fan, uh, right. so I just had to throw it out there. And ScreenFlow does that too. And that's what I use. But Camtasia and ScreenFlow are pretty much, you know, the two competitors in that right. space. So cool. Yeah. yeah. See, my week was boring. Uh, Randy, how about you? You had you definitely had a not-so-boring week. Yeah, I mentioned that I was on travel. I went out to California for uh, a class in professional public speaking, and I've done a lot of public speaking, and I've done a lot of classes. I did, did Toastmasters, and that uh, raised me uh, several notches. But I've, I'm going to be uh, speaking at the Mensa Annual Gathering next month, and thought, you know, I really want to get back into the speaking game and I need to up my game because I just didn't, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've really done much speaking and I really wanted to, to be good. And boy, was this class good. It was just top-notch training. And it's the first of many, well, several over the next year um, and a lot of homework and stuff too. And for that reason, I'm actually going to have to miss a whole bunch of episodes. I'm not going to be here next week because I need to work on this stuff and get my speech written for uh, Mensa next month and, uh, and practice it and then do more training. So 
Um, it was a great class, but unfortunately, that means I'm going to be short on time. So something had to give, and I'm cutting back on a few things, including TEH, unfortunately. Well, fine. I hope you'll uh, come back occasionally. I hope so, too. And definitely when I, you know, when I find on a Monday evening that, hey, I'm all caught up, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely jump in. Cool. Well, I'm glad that class turned out so well for you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I look, I, I look I'm forward really to witnessing the results somewhere. Say again? I, I look forward to witnessing the results thereof. Yeah, at some point. So, cool. Well, <clears throat> on to the topics for the week. Um, this one is an interesting one. It's one of my um, pet peeves, and it's, it's all actually uh, one that I love to see vindicated this way. Google says using two-factor is the best security decision you can make. If So my take has always been for quite some time now that um, if there's one thing you want to do to increase your security, um, add two-factor to any and all the accounts that support it. Forget the fact that you keep hearing about SMS being vulnerable. Uh, you're still more secure with SMS than without it uh, and so forth. But <clears throat> they uh, mentioned that this is a TechCrunch article which points out that of all of your two-factor options, the security key is your best bet. Now, what a security key is, is it's this little USB thing. Um, it's not even a thumb drive-like thing. It's actually thinner than that. Uh, it actually has a little, mine has, I have one, of course. It actually has a little button that you press once you've got it inserted, and it does the magic to provide some encrypted information that's somehow synchronized with your account credentials that allows the remote service, if they support it, to confirm that, yep, you have the key in your possession, and that is your second factor. Google, as it turns out, supports the security key. There are several different security keys available. The one I happen to have is from YubiKey. There are a couple of others. Um, this is one of those things that I just love to see promoted more. I wish that two-factor were easier for more people. Uh, a lot of people are reluctant to add it for fear of getting locked out. If they lose their, two fa their second factor, there are, of course, ways to uh, prepare for that, mitigate that if and when it happens, those kinds of things. But, um, yeah, I've got a, a bucket of two-factor uh, you know, account and the accounts enabled uh, both with, uh, like I said, the security key for a Google account, at least um, the app on my phone for uh, gosh, probably about a dozen different accounts. SMS, actually, whether I want to use it or not, my, my bank actually sends an SMS code. They don't even call it two factor. They just say, Hey, we don't recognize the computer you're using. We're going to send you a code. That is two-factor authentication. Yeah, I like, like that force two-factor. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is, and, and, yeah, and and but without without calling it two-factor, which is just fine because two-factor does have this this cognitive load for some people that make them you know nervous. They don't understand it, and in fact, all it really is is making sure you're you, and that's that's great. Anyway, just you know. If there's one thing you can do to an account to make it more secure, turn on two-factor of some sort, please. Yeah, I, um, I, I like it when two-factor isn't as absolute as it is, say, for something like iCloud or Google. And because all it takes is, and I, I know people that have had that one horror story where they couldn't 
get it, you know, they, oh, I got a new iPhone, and then they didn't realize that, oh, you know, they had a, oh, you know, they got a new iPhone, it's got a new phone number, and now they don't have access to SMS, and they realize too late, and now they can't get their two-factor, they can't get into the account, Apple or Google can't help them, and they've lost that account. Right. And that happens, but there's also times when there is a way to get around it. Like, for instance, for WordPress, if you're both the developer of the site, you know, you have access to the server, which, of course, I do, and I have two-factor for my WordPress sites. It keeps anybody trying to log into my WordPress sites out because it's two-factor. But worst-case scenario, I could actually go into the server right. and, and remove the two-factor you know, wall to get in. So I don't feel as like, you know, oh boy, if this ever goes south, I'm in trouble. I've lost access to my sites. Nope, not at all. Um, so one thing you said that, that concerns me a little bit, <clears throat> you made it sound like Google is fairly absolute. Yeah. Um, they're not. They're not? Huh? Uh, do you, you, on my, actually on both of my, I think it's both, at least my, my primary, um, I have not only the uh, the hardware key enabled, but I also have the application enabled. I've got a bunch of one-time codes available to me. Uh, those kinds well, of yeah. so yeah. There's a bunch of different ways to um, if you prepare. That's what I said earlier. If you, you got to prepare. prepare for this, then um, you can recover from having lost one of your second factors. That's uh, how it used to be with Apple too. Is you know when they were on their first two-factor, which was called two-step. Mm-hmm. Um, you got your SMS, but you could print out a list of codes. And the problem is that people wouldn't go, oh, I don't need that. It's fine. Right. And then they switch phone numbers. And, you know, and at this point, Apple's is pretty good too, because you can actually, you'll get a code at any device that you've got. So if you have an iPad, an iPhone, and a Mac, and maybe even an older Mac, right. they're all logged in, right. then you'll get codes at multiple devices and it won't be, you know, as absolute, but it's still all it takes is for a person to experience some bad luck once. And then they're like, I will not touch two factor at all. And yep. all yep. that. So it is, it is frustrating. Microsoft has also gone that way that um, um, Apple has apparently where if you've got a Microsoft app, pretty much any Microsoft app installed on your mobile device, uh, like, for example, I have not, I don't think I have Outlook on there anymore, but I've got at least one drive, for example. Um, they'll send you a push notification as your second factor. So all you have to do is push, you know, respond to a message on your phone and it'll automatically complete the login on your PC. Uh, right. And yeah. it, I, Google does that now with the Gmail app. I just mm-hmm. experienced that the other day, where it's instead no, of having to go to Google Authenticator to get a number, it just said, go to the Gmail app on your phone, or maybe right. it was the Google app on my phone, and there was just a little confirmation message. Is this cool. you? Are you trying to get in? Yes, yep. but I was in. Yep. That is one of the more seamless ones. Now, of course, and I'm sure you have this with your audience too, there's always folks that, I don't have a smartphone. I don't want a smartphone. I, heck, there are folks that I don't want a mobile phone, right? They don't, you know, they don't want to do SMS. They don't want anything. There are some, and I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure Google supports it. Uh, but there are some that will do two-factor over landlines, where they'll just read you a number, uh, which is also a very you know, useful additional level of security for folks that don't want to necessarily have all this other bleeding-edge technology. Mm-hmm. Anyway, love me some two-factor authentication. Uh, for the record, this, like I said, was uh, uh, via TechCrunch, but it was actually referenced on the inside Google news uh, newsletter, which comes out 
think five days a week by our good friend, Tara Kalashin. So I just wanted to plug her stuff there. It's actually very cool. She does a great job of summarizing what's new with Google, what's going on in, in news headlines relating to Google mm-hmm. every day. And other um, different topics, of course. Um, for this Inside Google, it's actually, I think, Inside Alphabet. Right. Well, Google Inside Google, Alphabet. but she also does Research Buzz, which is a really neat site. Right. Yeah. It is. But I, you know, like I said, this came through Inside Google. So, yep. Yep. Her uh, RSS feed is on my, my homepage. So I look at all, <laughs> all her articles that she posts, and she posts a lot. <laughs> so, Randy, stars? <laughs> yes. Well, probably everybody heard of the SpaceX launch of the Starlink satellites. They launched 60 satellites all at once. It was their heaviest payload to date. Yes, even heavier than the one that went on the uh, uh, Falcon Heavy. And they did recover their their uh, rocket. And it was really neat. Um, I had set aside time to watch this, and unfortunately they had to push the launch back, and then I was traveling and couldn't see it. But it was successful, and the interesting thing is that they spit out all 60 of these satellites like a machine gun, and just, just in a big line, and then over time, they will settle into their own uh, orbits and all. But in the meantime, they are in a big line, and if you have clear skies, you can actually see them when they go above you. Uh, I found a website that shows where it is and will predict. You can put in your city anywhere in the world, and it will predict when it will come over you next. Um, Huh. We had blue skies, and it was beautiful. I thought, oh, good, I'm going to get to see it because it's coming over me just before 9 o'clock tonight. And now it's snowing. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no way I'm going to see this. But – I I have a picture that somebody took of this string of, I mean, it's just really bright lights in the sky. It's only 250 miles up. So, you know, if you're in darkness and they're in, in light, it's really bright. You can easily see it with your naked eye. Hmm. So I just went to that site and it's telling me that the recommended time to see this over my home here in Seattle is four o'clock in the morning tomorrow. That ain't going to happen. There you go. Homework. (laughs) (laughs) But you do have the option, and it'll probably come over in the evening uh, sometime in the next few days. They definitely show some others, including um, uh, three hours from now, actually, uh, that might be visible. Uh, It's still pretty light here at around 9.30 in the evening, so it might still we'll have to see strangely enough my time is pretty similar to randy's um and, uh, but right now i'm looking at hazy clouds so probably not but you know it's almost every well it's more than every day but some of those are during the daytime of course um so there's a couple couple coming up yeah i get to see um very interesting and this is going to look like a, a line of lights in yeah. the sky yeah I'll put the picture on the show page. It's it's when it when it first launched, um, they got a lot of reports of UFOs, mm-hmm. <laughs> unsurprisingly. But no, it's not UFOs. It's it's uh, it's the IFOs. internet. It's IFOs, <laughs> identified flying objects. Um, so we should probably talk about what I mean besides the cool visual light show. Yes. Um, 
I mean, this represents, you know, some people are talking about how this is, a, you know, maybe one of the biggest things to happen to the Internet since the Internet. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, um, especially if I don't sell my house soon, and, and enables, which enables me to move into town. I would be able to get approximately a gigabit Internet service and pretty much anybody in the world can, pending regulatory approval, hmm. be able to use these satellites with the you know a little pizza box type antenna, and get super high speed, low latency internet. It's not like the Hughes satellite that you can get right. now or Echo Star satellite, where it's in the Clark orbit at twenty two thousand three hundred miles, which is a long way. And so the round trip light time is really noticeable. So you these can't are what, use... 350? These are going to be 250, and I think there's going to be a cluster that are lower to further reduce latency. Cool. Like, Very cool. Like three miles. Do we know? <laughs> buzzing, <laughs> buzzing the tops of... Top it, would, it would be hit by planes, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody duck. Um, it's coming over. Do we know when they plan to light it up? Supposedly later this year, or certainly early 2020. So I it, really, how many more launches are there supposed to be? These are the first 60. It's supposed to be more than 12,000 satellites. Wow. Now the what? concern that I've heard is that this, in a way, is contributing to the cloud of debris around the planet. They're concerned that, um, you know, it's just that much more things for other things to run into. Uh, I realize that they're at a slightly, you know, they're at a higher orbit than, say, the space station. But still, um, that's a lot of stuff floating around the Earth. Yeah, especially since they're not the only company that's trying to do this. They're just certainly uh, in the in the lead. But the number one thing that they have to do to get their license is have a plan for what happens if these fail. How do you get them to deorbit when they're End of life. How do you get them to deorbit? Big magnet. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so they're thinking about what they need to do to keep them from being space junk. And there's a lot of space junk. And it's, it's an actual hazard for the astronauts and other spacecraft. Um, but I think, you know, there's not going to be that much of a problem. It's actually um, a little bit lower than the space station. I thought it was hot. How high is the space? Yeah, I think I think some of it's above and some of it's below. You're right. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so it's not in the same orbit as the space station, at the very least. Right. And um, it's going to allow just super high speed internet, no matter <laughs> whether you're in the middle of nowhere or not. Speaking of the space station, I guess that that might also provide the space station with some really good internet connectivity. Well, they already have some pretty good connectivity, uh, but. You're right. This might improve things. <laughs> Every time they pass by one of them, get a good it's good Wi-Fi hotspot. Just park the station right here. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I, I was actually watching the NASA channel earlier today, and and the astronaut one of the astronauts was doing a an interview, and he was saying, "Well, that's one of the nice things about now is that you know when before we're like when I was deployed to Iraq as a, a in the Air Force, I couldn't call home very easily." Now, yeah, I pick up a phone and I call home from the space station. <laughs> that is cool. And no, you can't call them. Sorry. <laughs> ah, what's, 
Only that's the can. That phone number is valid. Darn it. Yeah, it's really unlisted. It it goes through Johnson Space Center, I think it is, and uh, they have to uh, patch it up. Not, uh, but they can call out. I think without any help. That would be an awesome caller ID to have show up on your phone. Yeah, and in, and in fact, one of them accidentally called nine one one, and it's like, uh, <laughs> you can't come up here and check on us. Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Can you imagine if they got call spam? Right, you know. <laughs> We're your local duct cleaning service. <laughs> like I, I don't think you really are. <laughs> but if you could do it for twenty nine bucks, come yeah. on up. Yeah. yeah, I'll take a free estimate. What time could you guys be here? That's great. So cool. So and then yeah, this is this is just awesome. Looking forward to this and glad to see it's actually happening. Right. I mean, they're actually putting these things into orbit. It's not just, uh, you know, oh, next year, next year, next year. No. Yeah, they, they did do a couple of uh, test satellites last year, I think it was, and that was just a piggyback on another mission that they were launching. This mission was solely for these satellites. And as I said, it was the heaviest mi- mission for them ever. And uh, this is what they're going to have to do to spit out 12,000 satellites. They're going to have to right. be... You know, a lot of satellites per launch to make it cost effective and spit these things out and move them into the orbits they need. Yeah, and I also cool. remember reading a while ago, I don't know if it's still true, that the whole this whole reason for this being there is because Elon Musk wants to go to Mars and this is how he's going to fund it. Right. <laughs> hmm. So you'd be like paying for internet and also knowing that instead of the company just increasing their stock price because SpaceX is not a public company. Yeah, um, they're private. actually taking the money and they're going to go to Mars. <laughs> hmm. So they hope. We'll see. Yeah, I also was under. You the know, I think if anybody can do it, Elon Musk can. I was also under the impression that this was also—I wouldn't call it a test case—but this technology was also what he was using to what he was planning on using to establish communications on Mars. Makes sense. Um, w- that would make sense. Yes. One of you guys mentioned, uh, said the word UFOs a few minutes ago as part of this discussion, and it reminded me of a super interesting article I read in the New York Times uh, this weekend, and the article was called, Wow, What Is That? Navy Pilots Report Unexplained, er, report unexplained Flying Objects. And basically, it seems like, if I understood this quick, correctly, for a long time, it was just like, if you saw something, if you're a pilot and you saw something weird, you don't talk about it because because you're, you're being weird, you know, so, or, or it's just not something we talk about. And yeah, the Navy, worried about you. Yeah, worried about you, exactly. And the Navy, apparently so many people have been seeing things that they don't understand when they're flying around that the Navy changed its guidance on how to report things that you see. I mean, it's kind of, I think, making it more okay to, to talk about it. Um, and so this article, they, they interviewed... Uh, many pilots and they link to original source video where pilots have, have seen strange things in the last few years. And uh, a lot of it, some of it, based on my understanding, seems like they could see it on their radar and they could also see it on a secondary scope, uh, their, their uh, visual, whatever, I don't know, overhead displays or whatever they're, they're using. But then they couldn't see these things with their naked eye, even though they should have been. So I'm just like, is it they're wondering is are these software glitches or is there some sort of an invisible <laughs> flying thing out there that can't see it was a uh, very, is it the russians doing something new right yeah is, is it a romulan cloaking device mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, anyway, I'll put a link to this in, in the show notes. Um, I just thought it was a very yeah. Very I read the article. I read the article too. To me, the yeah. chilling part of it was. You know, you read through it, they talk about, oh, we'd see these things, and then we couldn't actually see them with our eyes. Mm-hmm. And then one day, we started seeing them with our eyes. Yeah. <laughs> that, oh, that, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Up until that point, you're like, oh, there's something in the software, right, that's reading the weather or electromagnetic static or something and misinterpreting it. So now that's what the problem is, software glitch. And then they said that they started actually seeing them. And one guy, uh, one pilot even reported he described the object as looking like a transparent cube with a sphere in it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was really weird. And if it had been at almost any other site except the New York Times, maybe I would have been like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And oh, the other eerie part was that they experienced all this in 2015. This wasn't like, oh, we've always been seeing these. It was like they changed this protocol you're talking about in 2008. Mm-hmm. And there were really no nothing too unusual. And then all of a sudden in 2015 for a while, there was all these different pilots that experienced this and then they stopped experiencing it. So it was just during a period of time, which is weird. And how much of it was they stopped experiencing it and they stopped reporting it because they were being ridiculed. Yeah. Yeah, All these things are like we have to think about and consider. Right. Uh, Certainly. I mean, it could still be a software glitch. It could still be, they talk Mm -hmm. about like fatigue from flying. Right. That was another one. Right. Sensory overload or just, you know, just working too hard to you know, what's it doing to your brain? Um, yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Super interesting. Yeah. I certainly have anybody that's been on a long drive, like I used to do when I was younger and you drive for, you know, way too long, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, during a day, you know, 20 hour day of driving cross country. Uh, you know, by the time you're ready to call it a night, um, yeah, things start to do look a little surreal. And it's probably a lot easier to be driving on a highway than it is to be flying a, you know, supersonic aircraft of some sort. Right. Yeah. I know that in my case, I just got um, new glasses and the reflectivity is a little different. Mm -hmm. So I'm now seeing kind of things out of the corner of my eye that turn out to be the same things that were there all along. It's just that they look different. Um, they're coming at my eyeball in a slightly different way. Somehow, you know, mirrored from behind me or off to one side. It's very strange. It takes more getting used to. Hmm. So, so Gary, Gary, you started talking about driving. Yeah. Oh, speaking of driving, yeah. No, I saw this interesting uh, article. Uh, BBC News had it um, about a new feature. And I actually heard about this a week ago at a, a local event I went to. That An Uber now, when you request a ride, in some places when you request a ride, you can choose to have a uh, silent mode or the shut up and drive mode. And I think it only is in certain places and you have to be doing like the black cars, you know, high end service, um, not the regular Uber where it's just, you know, normal people picking you up. Um, but the idea is that sometimes you take a, an Uber or Lyft or whatever, and you know, you're fine with chatting with the driver and sometimes you just don't want to and be able to signal that in advance in the app and, you know, and this, the driver knows just silently, you know, pull over, pick you up, confirm where you're going, and then don't say anything um, is, a, is an option. And, and it's interesting because sometimes I f- do feel like talking to the driver. It's part of the thing. And sometimes I don't, <laughs> uh, you know, in the morning or something like that. I just don't feel like talking. 
Um, but you really don't get the say as the passenger. It really is, I find, up to the driver. If the driver wants to be chatty, then the driver's going to be chatty. Yeah, and there have been times I want the, I want the opposite. I, I'm in a new city. I just got here. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the town. I want to know what's up. I want to talk to the driver and find out, you know, what's cool. And I'm trying to be chatty, and they're just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I got nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is not um, compulsory for the driver. They, it's just a request that they don't engage. Oh, I thought it was. I and I thought they said in the article that you pay more for it. I, I don't know, but the article I saw that was pr- apparently a different one was, um, you know, this is just a request. But, you know, if you're a driver, your ratings kind of depend on being oh, yes. attentive to the writer's needs. That's another aspect of it that's discussed uh, in the article is that a lot of times it's not that the, all the Uber and Lyft drivers are chatty. It's just that they get rated on things like good conversationalists. I know I've seen that come mm-hmm. up as something I could, you know, check off and ride. So they want to get high ratings. So even though they might not want to chat, really, they feel they need to, to get those five-star ratings. I think they missed an opportunity not calling this feature STF Uber. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely did. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I, 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 I would still feel, even if I don't want to chat, I would still feel weird hitting the button saying, you know, shut up and drive because it's like, oh, now they just think I'm, you know. You're Mr. Grumpy. Yeah, you know, and it's like, whatever. I, I'd, I'd almost rather get, get in the Uber and think of some good excuse. Like, uh, you know, I need to, oh, I got, I got to finish listening to this audio tape of something for work before I get there. What's tape? My headphone. Yeah, you know, <laughs> recording or or something like. Or I got to catch up on this reading. I've, I'm getting briefed on this, or you know, something at work. When I arrive, hope you don't mind. So what you're it. saying is lie. Yeah, well, lie, lie to be polite, <laughs> right? You know, it's just uh, I don't know. Sure. Anyway, of course, the the first as soon as I heard this, shut up and drive um, uh, mentioned. Uh, I immediately sounded very familiar to me and I had to go look it up. So in the show notes will in fact be a link to a YouTube video of Rihanna's hit song from 2009 called shut up and drive. And man, that made me feel older. (laughs) (laughs) It's only 10 years, Leo still (laughs) 10 years. (sighs) All right. Well, speaking of going back in the past, Mm -hmm. I got a blast on Twitter today from Kevin of all people. Uh, which reminded me of early computing. Go for it, Kevin. Sure. So I, I had this I- idea in the shower today, and, and uh, it turned, <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those things that I just like. Oh, it's kind of a fun idea. And then before I knew it, it, it turned into a thing, and I bought a domain name and, and and the whole. So I have on my laptop a vintage sticker that's been in existence since the 80s that I put on my laptop a few months ago. Uh, and it is a sticker advertising Elephant Memory Systems. Uh, Elephant Memory Systems was a company that uh, made floppy disks. Um, actually, I think it was part of, I believe it was part of a company called Leading Edge uh, that made computers. But this company uh, sold floppy disks and their logo was a big elephant head and their uh, their motto was Elephant Never Forgets. So I had the sticker, and I love it. And uh, I took a picture of it, 
on my laptop and I, I tweeted out. To, so I have this vintage elephant memory system sticker on my laptop. Um, it gets all the comments from all the nerds, which, which it does. And uh, I said, if I reproduce the sticker with, you know, die cut and everything, will people buy them? And it's sort of exploded. <laughs> all these people are tweeting back to me saying, yes, yes, they. Yeah, the comments are great on that thing. Yeah. Um, and then Randy. Yeah, I want one. <laughs> well, you have one, Randy. <laughs> yeah, mine's in not very good shape. <laughs> Randy, yes. I'll see in the Twitter thread if, uh, if you click through on the show notes. Yeah, Randy put a picture of, of his and it's, it looks ragged and old. Where, oh, yeah. What's your sticker stuck to, Randy? Um, I stick, put stickers on my trash cans. Mm-hmm. And that's the one by my desk. And it's covered with stickers, you know, NASA stickers and... Um, here's a federal emergency management agency, but one of them is elephant and it's really falling apart. <laughs> I mean, it's been there for, you know, upwards of, uh, I certainly got it about 33 years ago. That's when I was using elephant floppies. So, so here's go. a que- question for you, Kevin. Yeah. Is the company still around? No, they're not. The company and is not so still around. So what does that mean for, like, copyright? Trademark? All right, so, yeah. <clears throat> Here's what I'm thinking. And <laughs> this is what I think will, I'm sure will, this audio will come up as, as evidence. As um, evidence, yeah. Sorry I brought <laughs> it up. <laughs> Hello, lawyers. Um, so here's what I'm thinking. For the company does not exist. The trademark has expired. Somebody else, um, I believe a different party, tried to re-register the trademark a couple of years ago, but then didn't follow through. And so it is really not a, uh, a trademark. Um, so well, it I could have been that they was objected to, and that's why they didn't. Actually, no, they didn't show that they were using it. You have to prove after a while that you are actually using the trademark yes. in commerce, and they, that's where they failed. Okay. Um, now... So the trademark is, is safe. The artwork mm, is more questionable. However, it is my good faith belief that uh, I believe that a company does, that does not exist cannot own copyright. Um, so once a, a corporation, company, at least, yeah. yes, a corporation that goes out of business, by definition, does not exist. So it cannot have any assets including the copyright that's an interesting theory um i believe that that art has probably fallen into public domain now it is possible that somebody bought the rights to the art um and uh, but not the trademark which seems weird but i guess it's possible in which case there's no way for me to possibly find out that and so the best I can do is to go about this little project of, of making these stickers, selling them, making for a few bucks. And if someone hits me with a, a DMCA uh, 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 notice, then I stop. Yeah. Yeah, fine. The, the, the chances are uh, that the company, we don't know the circumstances that it went out of business, but there's, it probably, you know, at some point went bankrupt. Well, they got bought out, you know, like all these other things. Uh, right, which means its assets, including perhaps its intellectual property, basically transferred. But the, the, the company that currently owns that probably doesn't even know that they own it. Well, they were bought out by Daewoo, which I don't think exists anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's probably a chain of these things, each one forgetting a little bit more on each step of the way, right? Right. 
yeah, institutional memory loss. Yeah. So yeah, that's anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to print out some stickers. Um, and just so I basically, I, I scanned my sticker. I, uh, I found a guy who was well rated on Fiverr uh, to uh, paying him, I think it's 50 bucks to clean it up Uh you know, cause it's, it's a sticker. It's been on my laptop. So you clean up the little marks of, you know, little speckles and, and whatever. Uh, and then I'm going to go to my, my favorite, uh, sticker producing company, which is stickergiant.com, and, uh, have them produce the stickers and, uh, then I'll sell them for a few bucks and it'd be a fun little side project. Cool. Yeah. yeah sign me up. I'll, I'll, I'll take some. Great. And in yeah, case it's not like you're doing this for money, you're doing this for, I mean, it's that, yeah. that doesn't actually absolve you from any copyright claims. And I want to make that clear that I'm not saying that it's to keep the memory alive. Cause you know, so to speak, elephant never forgets. Elephant never forgets. Ah. That's right. And you're yeah. doing due diligence. So, you know, all your ducks are in a row that way. Doing what I can. Yep. So, yeah. Fun little, fun little side project. And uh, yeah. Elephant never forgets. Cool. Yeah. So, Randy, you had listener feedback. <laughs> oh yes. So we're uh, we're going to that. Let me find that real quick. <laughs> this was kind of amusing. Um, as you probably know, we have a little service where you can sign up and get an email notifying you of new episodes. Well, one of the listeners unsubscribed with a little cranky note that said, "This may be hard to take, but I find these podcasts." ramble a bit and this was after last week and i have to admit i didn't catch up with it and listen to it um but he said that i think you should make them shorter maybe 30 minutes it's got busiest <laughs> hour and keep them to real tech topics not science fiction the whole thing needs to be sharper deal with current issues needs to be kept tight i'm an old timer coming up to 74 and i find your stuff is okay but you guys do ramble which tends to be a failing with geeks and he says i include myself in that well so, i have a lot to say about this me too <laughs> <laughs> but first i want to talk about so for the second hour of our show we're going to talk about <laughs> now two hours oh uh, yeah. you know it's funny <clears throat> on one hand i sympathize with him in just in that you know if this isn't what you're looking for well then this isn't what you're looking for. This isn't, yeah. there's plenty of other tech podcasts that are probably more focused, more tight, more whatever um, than, um, you know, than this one is. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, there are, you know, these are like three really, three of my best friends that I like to chat tech about. And we happen to turn on a microphone. If people like to listen, that's awesome. If they don't, no sweat. Now, yeah. The things that he doesn't like about th this podcast are the things that, that I like about this podcast. I, I have been pushing behind the scenes in a direction that this listener does not like and that I want, I've been asking us to have fewer stories lined up to talk about that we have to talk about the news of the week and, sure. and more let's talk about what comes up and we let's talk about what we're doing. And if we end up talking about microphones or we end up talking elephant stickers, elephant stickers or whatever, just let, you know, we're, we're talking tech in a, in a natural way for us. That is 
might involve us and be more rambly, but it's, it's a conversation and conversations take tangents and you never know where they're going to go. And that's what makes them interesting. Um, so yeah, if you want a tech news podcast, that's not what I personally want this podcast to be. Yeah. I don't want to be a news show and yeah. just reading headlines and stuff. It's all about what we think about it. Well, as soon as you start making it about news, it becomes a heck of a lot more work, right? Because then there's a responsibility to actually stay on top of everything and, and, and you know, whether or not you're interested in it. Whereas the stuff we're talking about, you know, I, you guys know my process. I suspect it's similar to yours. Sometime Monday, I suddenly realize, oh, yeah, we've got a podcast tonight. What am I going to talk about? <laughs> you know, what's interesting this week? And I just sort of jot down a few ideas that are, that are literally interesting to me and that I think might be interesting to you guys. And, and like two-factor authentication. Yeah, I, like, think that, I thought that was a great talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it's also, in my case, obviously, it's something that I'm passionate about because it serves my audience. And I suspect that in many cases, the same is true for the topics that you guys bring up. You know, when yeah, I'm a space geek. When you're a space geek or thinking geek or a Mac geek or an, you know, an Atari geek. These are things that other people have interests in. You already have audiences as well that potentially have interest in that kind of stuff. And it's just a natural thing for each of us all to talk about. So I, uh, I like what we're doing. Even if Randy decides he has to you know, not spend as much time doing it anymore. Oh, well. I'm going to become a better person and learn to do things better. Really. So, Gary, you said you had a lot of things you wanted to say, and you haven't said anything yet. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so, point number one out of 57. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I was just kidding. I don't have anything to say. I mean, he, he said it would be hard to take, and I my reply to him was, hey, you know, we're big boys. We oh, can, yeah. It, oh, no. this, this pales yeah. in comparison to what we probably yeah. all take on a regular basis. I mean, we, we've <laughs> all gotten really horrible unsubscribe notes, and, you know, I make them fodder for my website because some of them are really hilarious and completely. Yeah. Yeah. And to be, to be clear, I do appreciate the feedback. I really yeah. do. I mean, you know, and, and I, don't want, I don't want people to not give us feedback because mm-hmm. they think we're going to say disparaging things about them in our next podcast. That's just not the case. Well, this guy's unsubscribed. We can say anything we want about him now. The point is not to, to shame the guy. No, absolutely not. Which is why I didn't name him. Right, um, right. Absolutely not. No, and, his email address. And feed, feedback is, is something that I think we all appreciate. We all listen to it and take it um, in a way that hopefully is both respectful of the person submitting it, but also um, um, you know, in, in line with our own values and our own intent for whatever project it is we're doing. Uh, you know, obviously, I get lots of feedback on Ask Leo, and some of it makes a lot of sense. And for example, uh, one of the things I changed, I was talking last week or the week before about how I'm changing the, the, some of the technology under the hood. Part of that was driven by, by um, a reader comment that uh, printing Ask Leo articles was a, was a bad thing. So we definitely, you know, it was a bad experience. We definitely take feedback and, and act on it if it's, if it's consistent with our own values and our own plans. But on the other hand, if it's not, we still appreciate it. We just don't necessarily act on it. We're um, not going to change anything. We're not going to change right. anything. Even if we did, he wouldn't hear it because he's gone. He another, way to, another way to put it is, what I, what I would say is, the guy's not wrong. Every, the criticism he gave was good criticism, mm-hmm. but it's not exactly what we want to do. 
but if we, you know, it's the kind of thing. It's not. Sometimes I get a suggestion that in addition to doing my videos, I should also do an, a full article on exactly what I just talked about, you know, with screenshots and descriptions and all that. And that's a great idea, but I'm not going to do it because it would take an extreme amount of effort for one person to do both a video and an article every day for all the stuff I do. But it's not wrong. You know, just like this guy's not wrong. We could probably do a show like that and it would probably appeal to, I don't know, more people, but different, different people. people. Yeah. Yeah. So, and some of them not being us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's probably a good place to wrap. Don't you think that is? Cause it's about an hour, like an hour. As a tech enthusiast hour. Oh, um, yeah, not a half hour. We could be tech enthusiast half hour. T E H H. At least spell, the spell check would try to change it as it does for all of us. I'm sure whenever we type T E H, right? That's like the biggest pain. <laughs> Typing into the newsletter. You haven't added T E H to your uh, to your dictionary. Well, yeah, but then the next thing I know, I'm on my laptop, and then I'm on my iPhone, and it's <laughs> like ah, uh, I just oh, I better sure just get used to checking it mentally. Well, I have to say, you know, we we use we've said this before, Google Docs for our you know collaboration notes, and while we're talking, several of us are typing in tags to make it easy for listeners to find things if they're. What was that show that had a you know, mentioned research buzz? And mm-hmm. They can find it. Um, and I typed in solar babies and was amazed that Google didn't, or the, at least the, uh, the browser didn't underline that as something that was maybe misspelled. <laughs> it knows about solar babies. Solar babies. One word. That is yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Okay, well, you know. Yeah, it, it did underline STF Uber. <laughs> legit. Yeah, yeah, that's legit. Yeah. All right, we'll wrap here. The yeah. show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh70, where you see the cool pictures and links. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at the TEH Podcast. Tell a friend about TEH. Thanks for listening. I have an idea. Wait, 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 wait. What if we create, produce a version of the show at t- twice the speed and we call it the Tech Enthusiast Half Hour? There you go. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Next week. Right. Most of us, anyway. <laughs> Bye.